So if you're trying to start a business today, don't really expect its true face or form to completely show itself for seven years. Doesn't mean the business can't take off by next week. Doesn't mean that um, so many amazing events and networks and connections can't be made in those seven years, but the true face of this venture will show itself in seven years. You're listening to Adam Summer, our guest on today's episode of the podcast. Adam is a blogger, podcaster, and professional astrologer. And over the past 10 years, he's built up an engaged following and a business around his passions. Now he has a robust website where you can buy his products, book a reading, and even join his apprenticeship program. But things weren't always this way. In fact, after seven solid years of creating content, growing his audience, and putting a lot of time, energy, and effort into his podcast, Adam found himself feeling like there was an imbalance in his work. He was fulfilling the needs of so many people, but wasn't being reciprocated in a meaningful way. And that's when Patreon came in. From there, Adam successfully launched his Patreon account and provided an easy way for his audience to support him and his work. Over the past three years, he's grown and developed his offerings on Patreon to the point where he's just about able to support himself completely from this community. What I really enjoyed about this conversation is that Adam isn't your typical entrepreneur. He doesn't think in terms of branding, metrics, or even following a traditional business plan. Instead, he has more of an artist's approach to operating his business, and it was really refreshing to hear his perspective. If you've ever wondered what actually goes into creating a legitimate business around your passion, you won't want to miss this episode. Adam shares with you how to know if you're starting the right business for you and whether or not to continue down the path you're already on. Now, before we dive into this episode, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you. Yes, you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The reason I'm doing this today is because last week I received an email from a listener named Warren, who's been tuning into our show regularly for the past five months. Warren let me know that the conversations we've had here on this podcast have been absolutely pivotal in helping him build the confidence to start his own subscription business. It means the world to me to hear that the insights, knowledge, and wisdom shared here on the podcast are helping people in their own entrepreneurial journeys. It's my aim to give you knowledge I wish I had 10 years ago when I was starting my business in order to help you avoid some of the potential pitfalls along your path and move more quickly towards success. If you've benefited from our podcast or would like us to address a particular topic we haven't yet covered, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email at hello at membermouse.com. All right, that's enough for me. As always, I'm your host, Eric Turnison, and I hope you enjoy episode 130 of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey, Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. It's good to be here. Awesome. Appreciate you taking the time. So to get started, let's tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do. Right. Well, I too have a podcast. It's called Holes to Heavens, and I've been doing it now for a little over a decade. And yeah, the topics that I like to explore are cosmos, everything that basically circulates around astrology, a bit of astronomy, sky gazing, mythos, so mythology, folklore, storytelling, and psyche, which implies psychology, but also the soul and the true meaning of the word. So it's a wide net that I cast, and it allows me to talk to a lot of interesting folk. And then I do a lot of solo shows myself. And I write, I teach, I counsel, I do a lot of stuff around that work. And did that, was the seed of that kind of a a passion for astrology? Is that kind of the place that it started? 
As far as the podcast, yeah. Once upon a time, the show was called Exploring Astrology. But as far as my interest in all those topics, they predate the show. For example, I went to Naropa, studied transpersonal psychology, creative writing. Uh, I went to a five-element acupuncture school, got certified as a medical Qigong therapist. Like I've always been interested in consciousness. And astrology was just something that grabbed hold of me about 12 years ago. And there really wasn't much out there. Well, in fact, there was nothing as far as podcasting was concerned back in 2007, eight. So I, I don't know if I was the first, but definitely one of the first podcasts on the subject. Nice. Yeah. Now, today, if you, if you take a look at your website, you have a ton of stuff on there. I mean, you're doing your podcast, of course, but you also have the ability for people to sign up for readings, doing apprenticeships with you. You have products for sale. So can we talk a little bit about how from just your interest and your passion for the different topics then transitioned and turned into something where you were running a business? Right. I guess through the lens of astrology, one of the most surprising things that just came along was how you can actually make a living being a professional astrologer. Like I had no clue that that was actually a path. And one of my first astrology teachers was very helpful in laying it out for me. And as far as being lucrative and you can really, you know, create a life for yourself through it. And so I went for it and it worked from the beginning. But one of the most exciting things still to this date for me around astrology is that it really does include everything. It's like if you're into finance, you could do financial astrology. If you're into doing relationship counseling, you could be a relationship counselor. If you're helping people move or find the perfect location. There's astrocartography. I mean, it, it, it. there's so much to it. And at this point with modern astrology, so much of it bleeds over to where you can't even really tell the difference with psychology. So there's a lot of that. And when you study the greats of the past hundred years within the movement of psychology, like Carl Jung and Roberto Assagioli, like they were all, James Hillman, fascinated with astrology. And that's initially what caught my attention is that some of my heroes within that world were very interested in astrology and I wanted to know why. And so now it just feels infinite as far as the exploration. Yeah. Well, if there's one thing that's for sure is uh, people aren't going to run out of questions anytime soon. No, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Hence the title of my website, by the way, like that's, that's the idea did you pick up on it being a Jack Johnson lyric? No. Okay. Not many people do. You must not be a Jack fan. It's okay. (laughs) <laughs> but this is forgiven. Yeah, for sure. There's a song called Holes to Heaven, and the line in it is there would be so many fewer questions if stars were still just holes to heaven. Mm. The problem with, with such an idea is like, yeah, we do have questions. And that's not really what's going on, at least through our cosmological lens. And so we have questions. And so that's kind of what I like to do with my work. Right. And are the answers direct? Do I give a direct answer? Uh, sometimes. That'll be my answer. <laughs> <laughs> an indirect question indicating a direct, sorry, an indirect answer indicating a, a direct question. Yeah, a bit of a koan moment Something there. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so your, your teacher early on helped you kind of understand that you could take this astrology somewhere and make a living out of it. I think we who are wanting to turn a passion into a business, we can all end up in a place where we are surrounded by people who are encouraging us. And that's always a good indicator. 
But then there is another step where people can get caught up in, which is, okay, like I'm getting encouragement, but now how do I actually, what are the tangible things I need to actually do to get this off the ground and manifested? So what did that look like for you on your journey? I love that question. Consistency and a commitment to every time I step to the page or the microphone to make it better. And so I treat everything that I do, even when I'm working with clients, as an opportunity to improve the art. And so I don't, I've never felt lazy around what I do, like, oh, I'm just doing a podcast because I have to, or I'm just writing this because my readers are expecting me to write something. It's like I only create if inspired and I know that I can fully show up to do it. Mm-hmm. And so with consistency, for over 10 years, I've been able to show up like that. And then I, I think you gain momentum. People are like, wow, like every time I listen to this, there's something in it for me. Or every time I read it, there's something more for me. And so that's the best advice I can give anyone is just be dedicated to whatever it is that you do as an art form. Mm-hmm. Now, taking advantage of the fact that you're the guest right now and you understand psychology and what the role that astrology has to play, you know, let's talk about alignment because sometimes people are thinking about doing something and going to something where maybe they don't have the support in terms of their personality, their true interests, and maybe they're just thinking they want to do that because of maybe some external factors. And they may not even be aware that this is what's driving them. But in my, from what I've seen, it's easy to recognize when somebody's in that situation because it's very hard for them to get consistency because they aren't getting that feedback from the thing that they're doing in a way that it, it fuels the momentum. So I'm not sure the exact question here, but do you, do you kind of get a feel what I'm, what I'm talking about? In the question, I think you're searching for the feedback that is needed for someone that's starting a business or any venture. Yeah, like how do they know they're getting into the right thing? Because yeah. that's the foundational aspect, right? You have to have certain supports from within your personality to to have potential success. That's right. Well, I think first and foremost, you have to feel that there's spirit involved. So when you actually are doing whatever it is that you're setting out to do, it has to fill you up and not take away. That's bottom line. Now, as far as the feedback, I think that no matter what you're doing in the beginning, as long as there's one person that responds every time you create something, yeah, that's enough. That one person is putting a log on the fire. And yep. with consistency, and if you're still being filled up, by spirit as you're creating, there comes a point, and especially now, because say with podcasting, it's not hard to get a thousand true fans. Like It might take a year or two, but if you're consistent and there's good content, I think it's pretty manageable to expect a thousand listeners every time you put out a show. And Tim Ferriss talks a lot about this, that if you have a thousand true fans, you've made it. Because if there's people just waiting for you to create something every week, well, I mean... It's a bar scenario of like some people want to, you know, be the next Joe Rogan or something like that when you're thinking about podcasting. That's, that's not realistic. You have to have realistic bars to set. And so 
I'm not much of a goal setter, but like with the way I answered that third part of the question, I think that's a reasonable goal to set for folks like within a year's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah. And I think your, your first comment about, look, if there's one person listening to you, that's good. And it, it's a, it's one that really needs to be, especially in today's environment that people need to remind themselves of because you go on every potential social media tool, YouTube, Instagram, et cetera. And obviously people you follow have tens of thousands of people. And so you want to be there and it can easily become overwhelming trying to shoot for that. But of course, those people having those numbers, you mentioned Joe Rogan, how long have they been doing it consistently, right? How many shows does he have? So you have to, if you want to get the things that people have, you also have to take the time to, to recognize the work that they've put in and that it doesn't just happen overnight. Because if we look at where people are and what they've achieved without taking into account the reality of how they got there, then we be, can become overwhelmed and it can t- uh, block us from taking our first step. <laughs> Not um, good. Which, yeah, yeah, Eric, comparisons are odious and <laughs> social media encourages comparisons and also the dopamine drip of likes and shares and comments and the very commonplace experience of getting trolled as well, which can really knock you down a few pegs. If you had momentum and all of a sudden someone's like, your voice is terrible. You should just shoot yourself or stop. Right? Like, I mean, I, I've encountered so much darkness doing the podcast because of people that are just troubled. (laughs) Yeah. And they're faceless. They have no name, and they just spread that kind of yeah. darkness on a social platform. And it, even though you, there's a party that knows it's not something to pay attention to. It actually does nestle itself somewhere in your subconscious, and it lives on. And you have to be very discerning in working with that because it, it will happen. There will be critique, right? So, speaking of darkness, you know, when you were talking about the podcast and getting started and the importance of consistency and how it helps you grow over time. Now, there are also, in the beginning, it could have mostly be leaning towards favorable things, favorable responses. There's an energy to that initial growth that's nice. But there does come a time where the tests start to happen. you know. And I think you've mentioned to me certain points in time, the podcast has gotten to a place in your relationship to it where you didn't want to do it anymore. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit and hear how that came up for you and how you handled it. Mm. So I'll answer that within a time span that I think really does apply to all of our ventures in life, whether it's relationships, our early childhood development, or say something like podcasting or business. And that's the seven-year itch. You probably are familiar with the term, right? Or at least the Marilyn Monroe movie. <laughs> but <laughs> the term, yeah. It's a real phenomena. And it relates to, from any given moment, say right now, you and I are doing this podcast, in seven years, Saturn will square itself from where it is right now. And why that's important, I know that probably a lot of your listeners aren't familiar with astrology or care too much about it. Maybe I'm making an assumption with that, but it's it's a very important concept because Saturn relates to the third dimension or this reality and how time works here. And so the experience of gravity and the experience of aging, and the experience of just how time works. And so if you're trying to start a business, 
today don't really expect its true face or form to completely show itself for seven years. Doesn't mean the business can't take off by next week. Doesn't mean that so many amazing events and networks and connections can't be made in those seven years, but the true face of this venture will show itself in seven years. And so for myself, after podcasting for seven years, I got to this place where it was a very popular podcast. Everyone was always waiting for me to do another one. And thus it created a really interesting problem where I was doing them every week. I couldn't calculate the amount of time that I was putting into them, but a lot. And podcasts are free. Now, they're also a way of marketing. Say, you mentioned how I do readings and I teach. And so I was able to get clients from the podcast, which is amazing. But energetically, it got to a point where it felt quite unbalanced. Mm -hmm that I was putting all of this effort into the podcast and then the return was minimal. And then Patreon came out. And Patreon in some sense saved the podcast because I was getting very fed up and mentioning of trolls. Actually at the seven year point, I started to get a ton of trolls. Mm. I think that's just a symptom of getting more popular. But almost on the daily, there'd be an email or a comment or something that would just attempt to knock me off my center. And it was becoming, well, incredibly annoying as well. And so Patreon comes out decided to give it a try. And within six months, I felt an entirely new relationship to the podcast bloom because I was now getting paid to do it. Right. And that's where I'm at now. Like I, I feel like I can almost survive off of Patreon. Not fully, but it definitely helps month in and month out. And how are you organizing? Well, first of all, I'm not sure everybody's aware of Patreon, so just okay. the brief of Patreon. But then how are you organizing it so that it's being successful for you. Right. So it's similar to all the other crowdsourcing platforms these days, like GoFundMe and Indiegogo. Indiegogo's one, right? Yeah. Yep. Those types of ideas. But it's a little more specific to say resurrecting the old Renaissance idea of having patrons to your work. And what's different about it is it's there's all these pledge levels that you can incentivize the support. So the way I have it structured is there's a dollar level where people have access to podcasts that I only do for them. So there's like 30 of them that mm-hmm. the public has never heard. And that's just for a dollar a month. At five, there's access to a two-hour parlor or a Q&A that we do as a community. Ten, access to a class that I do every month. And 25, I slow release these apprenticeship recordings for people that don't want to get much more serious about learning astrology. And that 100 level includes everything plus a monthly tutoring session with me. And then if they make it through the entire program and do all the tests, I can certify them as a professional astrologer. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And on the surface of it, you know, you listing it out like that, it's very elegant. However, each one of those items, is something that you personally have to organize and create content or otherwise. So that must have taken a little bit of time to get to the place where it is now. Three years, I think, is how long I've been doing this. And I really do enjoy it because I do see how it's creating a little bit of a community, which is a huge intention that I have with my work, is bringing people together. Mm -hmm. Yet it's also a bit of a prison 
quick example of that is I was just in England and in the final weeks of my time in England, I decided to take a break. I'm terrible at taking breaks. And through that break, I didn't do a class. I postponed it to this month. I didn't do a podcast, postponed it to this month. And so in that process, which turned out to be actually like a three-week rest, I lost a ton of patrons. And so it's finicky like that, where where if people aren't getting what they are signing up for, then they're like, ah, well, screw this. Like, I'm not... I'm paying for nothing. Where really the true spirit of patronage, which I hope it gets to that point at some stage, is simply to say, I love what you're doing. Here's money in the, you know, energy in the form of money. Keep creating. I don't know how much, like Michelangelo probably wasn't giving art lessons on the side to his patrons, right? Like he just, (laughs) he had patrons that are like, keep painting, (laughs) keep sculpting. You're amazing. And so we'll see. We live in a different world. Very capitalistic, but it is so. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of kind of a theme that's been showing up recently in, in my world, which is the idea of if there's something that you want to create, you have to communicate it. So in this situation, you know, if you you have a vision of what patronage means to you and what you want to create. So it would be important then to have that be something that's clearly communicated to patrons. Like, hey, like I'm going to be taking some time off. This is why it's important to me. And if it's truly a community that supports you, they'll understand and they'll stick with you. And the more that things are communicated openly like that, yes, there's going to be some shakeout, right? But then it's going to attract more people who are resonant with the message that you're putting out, which is ultimately what you want. Because the more that you can be clear about what you're trying to attract to you, the more that it's going to attract those people because you're very open about it. That's a great point. It's true. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced podcasting for how long? How how long have you been doing the show? I think it's just almost exactly a year. Oh, baby podcast. Okay. Baby podcast. (laughs) So yeah, after doing it for 10 years, I mean, it's taken so many forms and what you just said, I mean, it's so accurate to my whole philosophy around around doing it. Like there's certain language that you can always use. There's certain ways of talking about what it is that you're trying to create that always refines who's listening and who you get to work with. And at this point, I mean I feel unbelievably blessed because those that come to my retreats, those that choose to learn with me or, or get sessions with me, I mean they're my teachers. Like I attract these people that are just incredible. And I feel incredibly blessed because of that, because it wasn't always that way. Like in the beginning, I would attract desperate folks. I did donation based sessions. So, like, people would like have sessions with me and be like, oh, like, I have to give you something. Like, I thought I would just say thank you as a donation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, I got a pair of socks once for a reading. That was fun. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, Not even good socks. So. You know, but this is, you know, we're using a certain language with this, but to me, this is communication, effective communication in terms of attracting your market is what marketing is. And I think this is what also one of the challenges about just getting into starting a business is because I think what happens when we want to start something new, we, a lot of times we're looking for some sort of guidance from people who've been there and done it. And especially in the business world, what can end up happening or entrepreneurship, let's say, what can end up happening is you go around and look and immediately you're introduced to all sorts of terminology. 
marketing, sales, revenue, a lifetime customer value, conversion rates, all this stuff. And the problem with that is it starts, it's such an alien verbiage, disconnecting from the human component, that naturally I think it takes people away a little bit from their connection with their passion and what they're doing. And they think that they need to follow these guidelines, do what these people say, in which case now, since you're listening to something external instead of listening to something internal, you're going down a road where you where you will have to rely on that more and more. And to me, it's important to remind myself even at, at the stage where I'm at with Member Mouse, it always comes back to our individual relationship with everything. The answers are there. And if we're looking outside of ourselves for the how we should proceed, then we're going to easily get lost and guided in directions that aren't our own. It's different for implementation. If you know your direction, then you need to implement it. That's totally different, you know, because then it just becomes about tools for manifestation, which is is less, I don't know what the word is, but I think it's more effective to listen to people in regards to those tangible things. If, once you visualize the architecture of the building you want to build, sure, now go hire an architect and a builder, but don't hire somebody to visualize the building for you is I guess what I'm getting at. I like it. And what I would add is, yeah, this verbiage, for example, brand. I had a brief dance with a business partner last year and it was a terrible experience. And there was a lot of conversation in the beginning of it around my brand. Right. And I know it's common speak. People have business plans, they have a brand, they have this whole thing. But the problem with that for me and the way that I work is I've never once thought about it. My brand, I, I don't know, it's, it's what I do. And my business plan is just how I show up and what I do. Like, I guess I have an right. artist's mentality around all of it. And so it's hard to say, put a brand or put any words around exactly what it is. Like I have a hard time even saying what I do because it's not exactly astrology. I use astrology. Right. Just like I use many other tools. But I, I don't know how to put a put a word to it. And so I'm just visualizing like a New Yorker style cartoon where some marketing person in yeah. a suit is asking the sun, what's your brand? You know? <laughs> and the sun's like, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just painting, guy. <laughs> no, sun, like this the sun in the sky. Oh, the, the sun. sun. What's your brand? Okay, okay, sun. okay. I thought you were talking about like father you know, sun. No, no, no. No, that's a little bit more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> no, the sun in the sky. What's your brand? Uh, and the sun's like, um, I just shine. What do you want from me? That's it. You know? That's a great image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. Wanna go deeper into that? Or what do you want? What do I want? I want to be like the sun, Eric. I like that. There's a term yeah. I use often, borrow it from the Irish, I do, called radiant contentment. And mm-hmm. I think when we find radiant contentment in our living, really in anything, in everything we do, we're, we're pretty close to wholeness. We've figured something out. But because we're talking about business and, and this growth process in it, like you have to have like the way I answered the question initially of of how to build something, you have right. to experience radiant contentment with what you do. And I often in the beginning I remember thinking that I was only talking to Hermes himself and versions of myself in the audience. 
like I, I didn't have an audience. I was just talking to a god, and then like a st- like an audience of like a f- thousand versions of myself judging me. Right. <laughs> and so I didn't really care if anyone was listening. It was more or less practice in elocution and practice in delivery. And I'm really into poetics and the power of speech. And so that's what it was in the beginning. And I think it's still in the spirit of that today, but I'm now way more aware of my audience. And especially in the environment that we're in, it's sculpted my language, unfortunately. But is it that you're way more aware of the audience or that you became way more aware of yourself, which made it that the audience reflected that? A bit of both, I would say. I mean, the main way of me becoming aware of my audience has to do with this climate we're in, this PC culture that we're in. And I I can honestly say that I was pretty naive to it all until it started to attack me mm-hmm. for certain certain things I would say or people's names that I would mention. And so I was in a way initiated from my naive state into being incredibly careful around yeah my speech because I was unaware which I'm not saying is a bad thing like I'm happy that I'm aware of it now at the same time it does feel restrictive yeah and this I like this concept of radiant delight I've never used those words but I've often talked about it because in the context I most often talk about it is if somebody's asking me if they should start a business I'm like hey if you're asking if you should do it you probably shouldn't do it mm. and b if you're going to do it it's really important that you have some passion in regards to what you're doing beyond whatever fruits you think you're going to get from this. Because to me, the beauty of business or any project or anything, any endeavor that one puts themselves into is the value of it is not what we think it is. The value of it is that it will test you and then it will help you become more of who you are. So there's going to be ups and downs. And to me, the only thing that ever helped me get through those dark times in the business was that mm. connection to Radiant Delight. Mm. You know, It's that constant that you can always go back to regardless of what waves are happening on the surface of the ocean influenced by whatever storm, right? So it's very important. Now, this is, I think, one of the biggest questions that maybe people have is, well, how do I find my Radiant Delight? Yeah. Right? Like, what is it for me? That is that. Do you have an answer to that? Does astrology have an answer to that? I don't know if the chart has a specific answer to it. It definitely gets you in the right neighborhood, but there's techniques that are pretty easy to employ that help. And of course, I deal with this question all the time because often when people reach out for a reading, they are searching for one of three things a love, a career, or purpose, which is found mm-hmm. within the previous two. And I think Trungpa, if you're familiar with Chogam Trungpa Rinpoche, who founded Naropa, has a really succinct technique for this, and it's called First Thought, Best Thought. And he used to employ it with his students, but also in the way that he would write poetry. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, the way I do it is asking a series of questions, like, is your name Eric? You answer yes. Are we podcasting? You answer yes. Like, do a couple of those yeses like that. And then asking a question like, well, what brings you radiant contentment? Right. What brings you the most joy? And the first thought that comes up with it's in an instant. And so when you see people thinking about it, it's like, nope, stop. We got to do this again. The first image that enters a person's mind is the answer to that question. 
And often it'll come up and, and then there will be excuses immediately afterwards. But like, I can't be an actress because it's just not realistic. And right. like, I don't want to move to California and I don't want to go to acting school and I don't want to do all that. It's like, okay, well, that's your passion. <laughs> And you can often look to a person's early childhood, like around age seven, funny enough, to what they were up to by default, like where their spirit naturally gravitated to early on in life and find it there. Like a person that wants to be an actress and then at seven, they were like a childhood actress Mm -hmm. or were just totally theatrical all the time. Doing plays for their family, Mm -hmm. whatever. You get it. And when you're able to locate that, then you can use something like the chart and see it, say maybe they're, they've got a Leo son with the whole story pointing into the fifth house, which is a story that would basically resonate with that one. And you're like, all right, well, this is the deal. And then you can work with transits and other timing techniques to help create a plan for them to execute this vision. And that's where astrology becomes useful. Astrology, for the most part, I would say over 90% of the astrology out there in the world, probably even a higher percentage to that is damaging. And uninteresting and useless to me. It's just not helpful because it's in a way attempting to describe a person's personality, which innately, it can be a little helpful, right? There's some value in that, but the real value of astrology is understanding the complexity of time and karma and light. And if you can work with the three of those and find where a person's at in their story and then help them to really own the fact that they are writing the story and no one else is, that completely changes a person's life. And I think that is probably one of the primary things that I like to do with people is to help them have that epiphany and then find themselves in the story. I was just having a conversation with somebody somebody yesterday and reflecting on my journey with Member Mouse and how a lot of the things that happen with that journey followed directly after me going through periods of times where I was adamant that I didn't want to do something that I ended up doing. Mm. Like for example, I was adamant that I didn't want to start a software company. And so I was doing something else. I was like running some like business that sold a dating info product or something like that. And then more recent times, I was adamant that I was a behind the scenes guy and I didn't want to be in front of people. <laughs> right. But now I'm doing a podcast. And I was adamant that I didn't want to travel a lot, but I've spent like the last, in the last like 12 months, I've probably been traveling 50% of the time. And I was adamant that solitude is my favorite thing, but now I'm Mm -hmm. getting more into community stuff, right? So it's almost like if you're adamant about something that's really not right for you, it's possible that that is the thing that you're supposed to look into. Yep. Right. You're onto it. There's many voices, isn't there, in our head? And it's quite confusing to know which one to listen to. But there is voices that we should listen to more often than others. And whatever voice was keeping you adamant around pushing away what spirit was wanting from you is probably a voice that you should, you know, turn the volume down a little bit on, or at least have (laughs) have a name for it. You're like, oh, there you are again. It's like, well. Well, luckily for me, there seems to be a component of the universe where if I don't listen, it ultimately just slaps me in the face and makes it so obvious. Mm-hmm. Right. Like for the adamant about not starting a software company situation, I basically ended up creating a membership 
software for the product that I was building. And I simply just built it for that site. And then people started asking me if they could use it. Somehow they found out about it. And I'm like, no, I just built it for myself. And then people kept asking and kept asking. And then at some point, the hard-headedness kind of dissolved. And I was like, wait a second, I'm not making any money with this thing. And all these people are asking me to pay me money to buy this thing. Yeah, Maybe I should do that, right? (laughs) So that's somehow, if I don't end up listening, it becomes obvious in other ways. But in recent years, through different meditation practices, I've gotten to the point where I can make things easier for myself by dealing with things when it's just a seed as opposed to waiting till it's a tree, you know, which was the case of being out of it against a software company. It, you know, I could have heard that a lot earlier on. It would have been more clear if I had the perception that I do now. Oh, Eric, that's beautifully stated. And the only way of being able to deal with the seed before it becomes an overgrowth scenario that is suffocating your life is through awareness and contemplative practices. If you don't have that, like like a meditation practice, exactly. I, I mean, I don't know if it's possible. And I, I actually think the same is true. Possible, it's possible only through grace. Through grace, right? And yeah. it just makes so much easier in in our living to have yeah. more awareness and a more careful thought process around what really is going on. Because there's a myriad amount, or just myriad voices in our psyche that are all competing for our attention. And without something like meditation, it's very hard to know how to separate all of them. And actually, astrology is quite helpful for that because that's what you're dealing with is these gods and goddesses, these planets that are those different voices. And there is a hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. around them, right? Like if Mars is the one that a person is constantly paying attention to, they might have a ruddy face and have a shouting voice and constantly being lost in drama within all of their relationships because that's the only voice that they're responding to. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's great insight. The way that I've come to look at it is the meditative practice gets you to a, a place of stillness beyond the mind. And the mind is is a conditioned thing. It's we like to think that there's free will and maybe there is, but it's not in the context of the mind. And the mind has very predictable behavior, although it's very tricky to our own understanding. And so if we don't go beyond the mind at least a little bit, then there's no opening for some transforma- true transformation to happen from beyond. And meditation is about dipping into a deeper place beyond the mind so that the mind can be influenced beyond thought. Because if you're trying to influence through thought then it's just the mind playing with the mind. It can't truly change. It's just like, there's so many great books, so many great theories about how to create transformation in your life. But my belief through my direct experience is that if you're truly just making it a logical analytical exercise, you may feel like you're getting somewhere, but really you're just putting on another pair of clothes in a sense. Yeah, the magpie mind is the name I give it. Like it's is constantly like in Buddhism they talk about the monkey mind of yeah, from thought to thought, just hopping around and being distracted by all the shiny things and whatnot. But what you're saying, like there is a consciousness beneath 
all that is zinging around as far as like thoughts and memory and epiphany even that's in there. Right. I'm not even separating a consciousness from who we are. I mean, because I think one, I think one reaction people can have when they hear about consciousness, oh, it's something beyond me. And it is, and it depends on what you mean by me. But to me, it's like, think of the sun as yourself. And then, you know, your worldly experience is living on the earth. Now, if there's a lot of smog in the sky or it's cloudy or it's rainy, you're in some way separated from that, the true nature of who you are. So in clearing away those clouds, it's not as if you're changing yourself in a sense. It's just that you're removing the barriers to who you are. You're removing that debris. It's like, it's like if you're, if you're watching TV in your house with the volume really loud, you're not hearing the birds chirping outside. Both are happening, but your awareness is on one thing because of the loudness and the presence of it. And the other thing's happening and it's there, but you're not tuning into it. And ultimately, all these things are still important. The TV's important, the birds are important, but it's about, okay, which one am I going to focus on? Like you were saying earlier, which voice am I going to give balance to like, or, or uh, priority to? And ultimately, that discernment, you can't have discernment just That's without right. yeah. experiencing all the different actors in the play. Potent metaphor you know? where, where we landed. I mean, going back to the New York comic strip example of the sun and asking it that question well I just shine <laughs> and I think that's our true nature yeah like that's the mystery of consciousness that still is as great a mystery as ever and sure it might exist outside of the body but it is what animates this entire experience as well and it all does come from the sun our star who gives life to this whole theater as you right. might say and so it is, that's the job of removing the clouds and awakening the sun within. And all the words that talk yep. about it kind of symbolically point to the idea of awakening or enlightenment, like allowing that to occur. It's like becoming a sun. And you can see it in the masters. You can see right. it beaming from yep. their eyes. Funny enough, the sun rules over the eyes and the spine, physiologically speaking, in astrology. And so when the spine is healthy and someone understands the subtle energies, well then, you know, it comes to their eyes and also you see the halos around heads, don't you? Like that's, that's this process of, yeah. And, you know, to add to it, because I think it's really important to where we've kind of got to in using the sun mm. as this pivot is the symbol for the sun in astrology is a circle with a dot in the middle of it. That's interesting. Both are non-dual as far as their symbols are concerned. Every other symbol in astrology is dualistic by nature. But the sun is the only one that has a bindi in the middle of it and a perfect circle. And it teaches something profound to us, I think. Yep. And speaking of profundity, this entire conversation is a metaphor of every single journey. We start off we started off more in the concrete level. We were talking about business and then we kind of ramped up and now we're kind of more in the etheric realms. So now as a reminder, you know, and about going through life, we do have to come back down. We can't just stay <laughs> kind of in the etheric. It has to be applied to the real world and how we manifest and move through it. But the relationship to the etheric through meditative practice, contemplation, 
is important to inform these things. So getting back to kind of the more concrete things, you know, in running your business and a business that's based around a passion ears where, as you've said, it's not about you having made a business plan or chosen to focus on a brand. It's just, you know, you going on your personal journey and being willing to share that with people. And so how do you stay inspired and motivated at this 10 year plus journey to continue to create content for your audience? And how do you stay consistent and fresh with what you're doing? First of all, beautiful segue, Eric. (laughs) Bring us down, (laughs) bring it back down. But I'm still going to have a piece of the sun in my answer because of course, to answer it properly, it's to follow the sun, literally. And what I mean by that is like the most manageable language that I use around it is like following spirit. And it's very simple res- call and response with life. It's like, uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-uh. And so as far as like staying inspired, it's not hard for me to be inspired because I am a pretty open-minded individual. I'm surrounded with interesting folks. I'm always in conversation that stimulates me. And I'm into a lot of different subjects, very interdisciplinary minded. And I've created something that allows anything in. It's not just astrology anymore, right? So Mm -hmm. basically whatever I'm up to at any different stage, like whatever I'm listening to musically is going to show up in my work. Whoever I'm reading is going to show up in my work. I'm very impressionable, actually. <laughs> like I'm very influenced by whoever I'm around. Yeah. And thank God I don't pick up accents or else I'd be talking British right now. <laughs> I never did that when I was there. I, yeah. I'm proud of myself. But yeah, it's just stay, it's staying relevant and not in a popular sense. Like I don't care about that. Staying relevant as far as, well, what's happening in my life and how can I translate what's happening for me into something that is tangible for my listeners and my readers? I think that's the great challenge for all of us that are content creators. And I don't want anything as well to exist in a vacuum. And that's a huge pitfall for a lot of content creators that are astrologers. It's like writing about new and full moons, for example. Well, that's irrelevant in a month. No one's going to go back to a post about a new moon two years ago. Doesn't matter. And so many people create that because it's what a lot of folks want. Or how about this one? Horoscopes. No one's going to read their horoscope for last week or 10 years ago. Maybe last week. Some people are pretty crazy about it. And so I'm completely disinterested in that. And the main thing I'm trying to do is capture the spirit of where I'm at and to make it timeless. Is it relevant 10 years down the road? I hope so, because that's what I'm intending to do. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> oh wait. Uh oh. No, I mean there was just something about what you were saying that was resonating. You know. Okay. So I, I, I was not fully willing to re-engage the mechanism of my mind until I kind of let it settle a little bit. Okay. Well, where do we go from here? Uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Microphone drop. I mean, that's. That's the idea. That's where everyone listening to this needs to go with whatever they're doing. Stay inspired. But what about those? I mean, is it, is everybody meant to find that in their life? I, I honestly do think yes. And it looks different though, because of cultural programming. Sure. 
people think that success looks, that's why I mentioned earlier, comparisons are odious. If you don't know the word odious, it's deserving of hate. It's a pretty strong word. Mm-hmm. That you can't compare yourself to anyone like you were saying. You don't know where they've been or how much they've worked. And luck, eh, I mean, people do have breaks, but there's also the whole concept of karma. And I don't know, I think in a lot of sense, we do create our own karma. And by saying yes to certain opportunities and being crafty with our choices, we put ourselves in the right place. So it will look different for everybody, but I do believe, I mean, after doing thousands and thousands of charts for people in my decade-long career, it is very clear that everyone has a story that they're playing out. It just doesn't look like anyone else's story. And so once they... But there seems to be, and I agree with you, but there also seems to be, for lack of a better word, constipation. Oh, like, yes. Like that something about, and maybe it's just all part of the journey, but there's, I just encounter a lot of people where it's clear to me what they're, they make it clear in, in maybe subtle and not so subtle ways. This is what I'm interested in. But then they also have very strong stories about why they can't do it. And so how do you deal with that? Mm. That's, I mean, the essence of the work I do with people is like, how do you deal with constipation? Well, there's so many layers to it, Eric. Like for one, just dealing with the thoughts that are blockades and where do they come from? Well, cultural influence, familial influence, philosophical, religious influence, trauma early on. And I think, so many folks, especially in conscious communities, are expert at spiritual bypassing the formative years and going straight into past lives to explain their situation. Not interested in that. And it's not that I don't think mm-hmm. there's some strange relevance to past lives, but I mentioned the seven-year thing. Well, there's usually trauma around that age, but also around ages two to four. The birth story, Stanislav Grof's work, God, the nine months we were traveling in our mother experiencing every single thing she experienced, there's all of that content. And if mom never believed in herself or was she always wanted to be a writer and never allowed herself to do it because she got pregnant and then was stressing about money and then just became a full-time mom, well, that story is mm-hmm. injected into the very cells, if not the DNA of child. And thank God we now know that epigenetics is real in, in the sense that we can actually alter this. I do think that we can change the stories, no matter how deep they are. I think it is possible. So there is a certain amount of free will, and the deeper you go down the astrological road, you realize that there is an equal amount of fate. It's scary when you see it. And so it's like 50-50 to me, but we do always have a choice. And so working with all of that is a way of empowering a person to find the radiant contentment and just trying. Like, you're not going to be Hemingway probably, but at least you can get a fountain pen and a journal and begin writing. Because if it makes you feel good, that's all that matters. Right. Right. But to be Hemingway is, isn't the same thing about, I mean, that was like the social likes of the day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the real value that anybody has imparted Hemingway anybody we recall today who lived a while ago, we look at their work, right? We look at their tangible things, but that's, to me, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Like they were brave enough to 
go through the journey of life and express themselves fully and the energy of that expressed in their work. And that is what people are connecting with in their work. Not the words, not the music, not the sound, right? It's the, we put too much precedence on the vehicle and Uh. not enough on who's the, who's the energy behind that vehicle? Because that's, that's the real thing that speaks to us. Right. The spirit. Right. It's the spirit. And in many different ways, we've described that, Eric. It's the sun. It's the spirit. That's how it works. And for me, that's how I live my life. I follow the weird with a Y spirit right? through everything. And that's how I can keep doing it because it doesn't feel like it's a road that ends. As long as I'm breathing, there is going to be the capacity of experiencing spirit within myself, but also being able to recognize it in people and in all the artistic expression in place and everything. And so I just follow that. And in a way, I try to get out of the way. Like I don't take much ownership to my creativity. They're not my words. It's not my podcast. Whatever's coming through, I usually don't even remember. Like when I, and I rarely do this, I rarely listen to my podcast. And when I do, is outer body experience for me. Like I said all that? Right. Like that's me talking? <laughs> it's like, wow. Like sometimes I'm appalled. Sometimes I'm amazed. It's like, huh, it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of roads that don't end, you know, since we're kind of like building our relationship with truth right now, I mean, we could continue talking about this stuff mm-hmm. endlessly. But I think we've allowed a lot of great stuff to come through here. And I certainly appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all this. I did not know what to expect in doing this episode, and which I liked not having expectations. Mm-hmm. It's just the ride. And I'm very grateful for what's actually come through. And um, I hope people Me too. find value in it. Yeah, and it's, it's a great pleasure to continue the conversation, Eric. I mean, you and I met because of something like we're talking about, like mm-hmm. following the spirit. All of a sudden, we're across from each other outside of Santa Fe having tea. And then you come on my show, I come on your show. It's yep. like the conversation continues. And yeah, I see it in you. I see it in you for sure. And I am, yeah, I'm really happy that this is happening. And I hope someone listening to this got value as well. One log on the fire. <laughs> exactly. If one person burns all their kind of clouds out of their vision of their sun, you know, that's, that's enough, right? That's it. So yeah, certainly appreciate it, Adam. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the podcast. And many thanks to Adam for coming on the show and sharing from his experience. I sincerely hope you enjoyed and benefited from our conversation and are now walking away with some clarity you can apply to your own life and business. If you'd like to learn more about Adam, be sure to visit his site at holestoheavens.com. To get a full transcript, the show notes, and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode, go to subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 130. For more interviews with successful entrepreneurs, experts, and authors, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. In our next episode, we'll be speaking with Luke Ward. Luke is a membership site entrepreneur who recently sold his business. We'll be hearing from him about his entire journey from his first idea for a business to its creation and ultimately its sale. This will be a fantastic episode and I can't wait to share it with you. Stay tuned and we'll see you next time.